subscribe. Pressbox Banter is the Daily Iowans Weekly Sports Podcast. Each episode, we will talk about local, national, and international sports, host a special guest, and talk predictions for upcoming games. This week's edition features Austin West, a two-time All-American athlete on the Iowa track and field team. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Press Box Banter. I'm Kenna, the sports editor. I'm Colin, the assistant sports editor. And I am Matt, uh, the pregame editor for nope, football. Nope, nope, nope. I, wa- nope. I said was. I <laughs> no, said was. no, no, no. You are my subordinate. <laughs> okay. Since the football season is over, I'm no longer the pregame editor. It was a great time. That but now I am you. a sports reporter. Yep. Good boy. Yeah. Back at second semester, and arguably one of the biggest headlines second semester. I was hiring of new athletic director, Beth Getz. The interim tag was removed. She is the full-time AD, and she had the press conference earlier this week that Kenna Rowling att- Kenna attended. What, how was that? What's her name again? I said Kenna. Kenna, what's her last name? Roaring. Okay. Yeah. I, just, okay. <laughs> I did attend. Yeah. Um, it was packed. It was the most packed press conference I've been to um, since I've been here. There was more people than... Um, that were there when Kirk, like Kirk's first press conference after it was announced that Brian was going to be gone after this season. I think that was mainly because there was like three, there was a lot of athletes there, like the softball team, field hockey team. But yeah, she talked for about like 30 minutes. President Wilson was there. Gary Barta was there. Um, so she had a lot of support, but she said she is um, feels good about where the search is at for offensive coordinator, but she didn't really give any more information than that. Um, and she like just talked further about, I mean, they want to make changes to Carver. They're just trying to figure out the funds for it and how to make the students happy, but also make donors happy and stuff like that. So... Uh, Kirk was noticeably absent, correct? Yeah, Kirk wasn't there, but I also saw a picture on the same day Kirk was like with like a high school recruit, Actually, like visiting story. him. That was my high school. Really? Yeah. Okay, so I East think Stevenson. so. I think that's maybe Crazy where he stuff. was. Um, but also, I mean, it wasn't just Kirk. There was it. There was other coaches that weren't there. So I really don't think yeah. it's like personal or anything. Yeah. I don't think it's anything crazy. I mean, he made a really nice comment, like when mm-hmm. she was hired. So did a lot of coaches, but like, she did say that this was her like destination job, and she wants to stay here for as long as she can until President Wilson makes her leave. So, yeah, she's from the Midwest, so um, I think she's a really good hire. I'm not sure we could have really done better. She has a lot of great experience, and everyone on campus seems to like her. She seems to get NIL and this new kind of era of college athletics. Um, So I think, I don't know, I think Iowa athletics are going to be in good hands for the foreseeable future. Yeah, the resume speaks for itself. Um, But yeah, Carver, there were two, I believe at the men's game over the weekend, there was a leak in the ceiling. Someone put a bucket in in the aisle to catch the water. Yeah, Carver, it's it's old, it's, it's nostalgic, but 
it needs some fixing. Which I have full confidence she can get that done. They need to tear it down and build a new one. I don't, that, that's going a bit too far. I'm not a fan of the, all right, I went to Kohl Center in Madison in December. Completely different. So much nicer. It's like a professional, it's like you took United Center and you just shrunk it down. That's what needs to happen with Carver. Carver's like, I feel like I'm going to watch Wilt Chamberlain play. Hey, that's, that's a, it's a nice nostalgic vibe. Come on. It's, I, yeah. I, I enjoy the court being lower than, you walk in, the court's below you. Then all the seats need to be black, and the ground like can't just be like. I don't even know what the material is. Either way, it's just like depressing, yeah. and the stadium looks atrocious from the outside. The arena wow. just looks so ugly. Like, what are those pillars on top of it? It's some it's character. You want a flat top roof? I want a dome like yeah. Illinois. Oh my, that's a gorgeous arena. Or Assembly Hall. I can't say I've seen it. Assembly Hall looks weird. It looks like an auditorium. It's, looks weird. it's gorgeous, and I heard it's very loud in there. Okay. Cameron Indoor? Uh, Cameron Indoor's nice. They got the nice wooden benches. Could do so much better. Yeah, but, but we have Carver Hawkeye. Okay. As long as, hey, as long as they keep the press, the press section is great seating. Hopefully they don't, hopefully True. they don't move that. Because at Allen Fieldhouse at Kansas, they stick the press like in like the nosebleeds. It's ridiculous. True. They have their proud basketball there. What a joke. True. But, sorry, my brother goes to Kansas. He won't be listening to this, but I'll tell him that he said this. Well, I don't have much comment. An important part about that, Beth gets uh, press conference well, the, was the offensive coordinator. Obviously, she didn't say a whole lot about it because, I mean, she said she's going to be involved somewhat. At the end of the day, I still feel like Kirk's going to play a bigger role in finding out who that person will be. But uh, we all know now it is not going to be Paul Christ. Something happened in the negotiations or something like that. You want to speak to that, Kenna? Yeah, I mean, he's staying at Texas. I guess... Um just from what I heard, he just declined the job. I don't know exactly what happened there. I mean, there's been so many names that are thrown around these pat this past like month. Um, but right now, I'm hearing like Kevin Johns. He um, he's coached running backs, wide receivers, and quarterbacks. He played quarterback in college at Dayton, um, and then most recently worked as the O coordinator at Duke. And then he's worked in that same position at Memphis, Texas Tech, and a few other schools. He was also an assistant coach at Northwestern for seven years and um, did some offensive stuff with them. Um, but I don't know. It's all just like a waiting game. I feel like like there have been so many names thrown around. Um, and then like two hours later, it'll be like, oh, never mind. So like, really, I'm not going to believe anything, any rumors until... They just come out and say it themselves, but whoever it is, they're gonna skin alive. The first play next year is a halfback draw. <laughs> it's gonna be boo the boo heard across the nation. Does Johns have any Kirk Ferentz connection? Do they know each other in any capacity? Do you know? Uh not that I know of. Okay. Um Yeah, I don't know. Um I also saw something about the O coordinator that just got fired from the Bears. Luke Getzey? Yes, oh, I've heard boy. something about I don't know him, if you, too. Get ready for the screen passes. No. Um, Here we go. No. <laughs> I've heard, yeah, I've heard people say they don't want him and that, like, Johns would be a good hire. Again, I, like, need to do more research and stuff, but, we yeah. We'll see. It's just taken a long time now because it's ironic. Every, every NFL head coach position has been filled as of 
the day of this podcast. I'm so. interested to see if John, or not John Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh leaving gets any, I don't know, if Cade will get any Michigan players to Iowa. I'm hmm. not sure. I saw there was Maybe. a Michigan cornerback whose crystal ball was 100% to Iowa. Oh, really? Yeah, well. today on Twitter. Well, we'll take him. Should be interesting. <laughs> take I don't know much about him, but. Okay, can we move on to say. women's basketball? Oh. Okay. <laughs> now they're they're down to five in the polls, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, they recently lost to Ohio State at Ohio State mm-hmm. in overtime. Mm-hmm. So that was tough. They were up by 12 in the last, like, yeah. what, like four minutes? Something like that. Um, and choked. Yeah, uh, Caitlin had, like, 45. Five, 45, yeah. Season um, One off the career high. So, yeah, I mean, they honestly, they just – our defense wasn't that great. I mean, she had Caitlin had forty five points, but I thought they did a great job like guarding her around the perimeter. So I don't know, and I forget the girl's name, but a girl, McMahon. yeah, she yeah. had like thirty some points. She went Dominated off. I mean, and when it went into overtime, I was like, I don't know. It's really hard to win in overtime on the road in a place like that. So and when you have the entire volume of your team on one player, right. And we were in a lot of foul trouble, trouble. So, Colin, thoughts? You co- you covered that game, right? No. Did you always watch it? No. Oh. I was in the car back from Champagne. Oh, did Cooper read? Cooper did it. Oh, I read yeah. the recap though, so I know what happened. Okay. But okay. What were I just? Um, the, I've stood by this the entire time. Is that the issue? Is that Caitlin Clark is she takes up so much volume on the offense that she can only do so much. She's not going to put up a hundred every game. And so when she has an off night like she did against Kansas State when they lost that first game, who no one backs it up. She had 25 or 26 in that Kansas State game. There's no one else putting up a number that's above 15 in the majority of these close games. Or in these close games, you look at Iowa State, you look at Kansas State, you look at Virginia Tech, the second game of the season, you look at... um, Ohio State just now, no one is really picking up that brunt of the load when she's already doing so much. You just need a wider spread scoring effort. I mean, you look at any other good basketball team, and there's not just one player going out for 60 points every game who doesn't have any support. I mean, granted, I mean, you look at like Joel Embiid, yeah, he just put up 70 points. Yeah. But look at the players around him, like Tyrese Maxey, players like that. He's got good players that can go for 20, 25, 30 every mm-hmm. game, and he could still do that. Yeah. Um, in addition, um, and they're just, I mean, you look at like the Indiana game, it was like Caitlin had like 35, but then I think Davis had 18. Yeah. Sinia Falter had 10. Someone else had like 12. It might've been Kate Martin. That's when they're the best. When they, they each, have four and, or five people in yes. double figures. And it's not just, it's not granted. They had four people in double figures. Caitlin played well, but you also have, you have the fourth person in double figures and you also have your second highest score. It's almost at 20 points. That makes a massive difference. Mm-hmm. That's the issue. And granted, I mean, I recognize that um, basketball is a two-sided game, and you you have to play defense as well. And there's no excuse for getting a hundred points put up on you. Yeah. There's abs- there's no excuse for that. They should be the only they should be the only team putting up a hundred points on other teams. There's no excuse. Um, but I mean, it's just at the end of the day, when they play the close games, when they lose or they play close games, it's because Caitlin Clark does not have help. Um, and when she does have help, they would they go on thirteen game win streaks like they did. That's just the recipe. Anyone who watches the games can see that. Now, okay, so that game, Iowa was ranked 
Second. Two at the time. Sec- Second. Two at the time. Ohio State was 18. Did Ohio State have the right to storm the court? The right to storm the court? Yeah. Yes. I think so, yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, you beat the second team in the country. And also, I mean, even if I wasn't ranked the second team in the country, I think just the fact that they beat Kaitlin Clark was like why they stormed the court. Yeah. I don't know if I was not a top five seed, which is hard to imagine without Kaitlin Clark, but I don't know. I think if you're a, if it's a ranked ranked t- matchup, an upset should be expe- expected, especially when it's on the road. But yeah, they, actually, they added star power with Kaitlin Clark. I feel like yeah, student section was probably against her the whole game. I, I think it was valid. That whole debacle at the end. Um, I think people are making a way too big of a deal out of it. It was obviously an accident. Yeah. The fan or whoever it was didn't mean to run into Caitlin. Caitlin didn't see her. She was looking the other way. They both ran into each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've seen a lot of people saying that like Caitlin flopped, um, stuff like that. I don't, I don't know. It there's definitely contact. No, there definitely yeah. was, and I mean, she wasn't like, she was like looking to the left when she ran into the person like she didn't see her so i feel like i mean she definitely got hit i don't know i feel like i mean but caitlin herself she said she's fine um they apologized and people are just blowing it out of proportion like people usually do but like i think they had the right to storm the court yeah it sucks that that happened but it's no one's i mean it's no one's fault really i mean yeah. I think the worst part about this is that, and go against me if you think otherwise, but that, like, her, like, you go back to the 2023 National Championship game, and Caitlin Clark was kind of like your Luke Skywalker, if you will. Okay. Everyone was like, okay, maybe she didn't, she didn't win, but she's like our golden child. Mm-hmm. Angel Reese became the villain. I think with this incident, Caitlin Clark is no longer the golden child. I think people are, you're starting to see people become more critical of her. Mm-hmm. People start to um, come down on her and question all these different, you know, I just think now that she's in the starlight, any any little slip up, whether you call that a slip up or not, is going to change the narrative about her, alter the narrative about her. I definitely think people like going out and saying she flopped definitely hurts her reputation as the golden child of women's athletics as a whole, as opposed to when Angel Reese was like the super villain, I definitely think that dynamic changes. I think that's the biggest thing that comes out of it. It's the yeah. way that people reacted to it. Yeah, I did see. I mean, all over Twitter, Instagram, it was just Iowa fans, really, that I saw, like, siding with her. But, I mean, Instagram, when, like, ESPN posted it and all these, like, all the comments were, she flopped, I lost so much respect for her, whatever, she always wants attention, this, exactly. this, this, so... I mean, she's always gotten hate, but no, I agree. That definitely, I think, made things worse. But again, I feel like, I don't know if she flopped. She's the only person that knows if she was overdramatic or whatever. But, like, she definitely got hit. And I don't know, in that situation, like, if you're both running and you run into someone, like, they both they both fell. Like, I think that mm-hmm. was just what happened. So. Yeah, it was in the moment. I mean, uh, Purdue's... Men's head basketball coach Matt Painter talked earlier in the season about trying to make court storming safer, which is hard to do because you know if a team wins on a buzzer beater, what are you gonna do? Like, so I mean, I guess it's sort of it could have been avoidable. At the end of the day, it's all it's hard to do. You can't just there's only so much there's only so much security that can help protect players. So unfortunate situation, but a little bit blown out of proportion. Um, 
Do you want to speak on men's basketball, Matt? Yes, I yes I will. Um, you know, men's basketball over over break. You know, they seem to be hitting their stride. Three straight wins against conference opponents, and then you know, um, home home date against Purdue. Their stand stands were packed. Sellout crowd, largest crowd they've received this season by far. <laughs> they cut it to single digits late in the game, and they just couldn't buy a basket. You know, down the stretch, I think they didn't hit a field goal in the last four minutes of play or so. And they came up short, and then again um, against Maryland Wednesday um, in front of a much, much smaller crowd. Um, they all similar situation. Well, not similar, but. Maryland was a, a team that should have beat. They were favored to win that game, like minus 200, I think, on the money line. Um, but no, Maryland, they, Iowa's up six at halftime. Maryland clawed, back, clawed their way back. And um, and then um, the last five minutes, 44, the last five minutes and 44 seconds of play, Iowa didn't make a field goal. They had two blocked layups, um, a missed three-pointer. Um, only, their only points came in free throws. And uh, Jameer Young of Maryland scored the Terrapins last eight points. You know, I think this men's team, they just don't have that clutch score or a guy they can go to. They don't have that Luca Garza, Chris Murray, Keegan Murray. They don't have a dependable score in the last in the, in, in crunch time. Um and that that is a concern if this team wants to even have a shot at the tournament. Um but I mean the players know this. I mean after after the Maryland game, uh Peyton Sanford, Tony Perkins are up there. Um very they're pretty distraught. I mean, Peyton Sanford had some pretty powerful quotes. I mean, it got a lot of respect for a guy who says he's, quote, disappearing big moments. Having that honesty to know when you're struggling. They're not denying that they're struggling. Mm-hmm. They're they're, t- they're taking it on the chin. Um, they're owning it. Um, so you got to respect them for that. The away, they're, they're in Ann Arbor on Saturday, um, take, taking on Michigan, who they lost to by 10 earlier at home. Michigan also... Arguably, in the same spot as Iowa, they got blown out by 32 against Purdue. So a winnable game for Iowa, but on the road, it's always tough. Yeah, this men's team—it's—it's it's gonna be a, certainly a trying year. Um, they, only, they can only go up, honestly. I feel like that Maryland loss—I don't want to say it's rock bottom, but tough loss to lose to, lose to a mediocre Big Ten team at home. Yeah, I thought I saw something that said Maryland only led for like three minutes and 12 seconds the whole entire game or something. Mm. Yeah, not a good luck. I mean, they, they just, or Tony Perkins said himself, they're getting too stagnant at offense. And come to, yeah, they kind of agree. You got to pass, cut. I mean, Maryland's defensive has dictated what they were going to do. But at the end of the day, you just got to be able to score, got to have someone to rely on. And they still haven't found that yet. What do you guys think? There's like, I don't know, I've just seen a lot of people talking about this. I think Scott Doctorman just wrote something about this. But what do you guys think about the men's basketball attendance and how everyone shows up for women's basketball, no one shows up for men's? I don't know, people showed up for like the Purdue game, but like that was against the number two team. I don't, I don't really know. I mean, students don't show up. I mean, I don't go to the men's basketball games and I, I've been to a few women's. I mean, I don't in know. In the student section at the Maryland game, I don't think there was anybody in there. It was the Hawks nest was empty. It was kind of yeah. sad. I mean, yeah, I mean. But I mean, and you can't. 
I don't know, people can't make excuses that whatever they need to change Carver and make the students come closer because they show up for women. Yeah, yeah. So, like, and people show up for wrestling. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, and it's 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 yeah. not like, I mean, men's basketball, they've really never gone far in the tournament, but it's not like they haven't made it there. I mean, they've had Keegan Murray, Luca Garza, like national player of the years, yeah. national players of the year. Um, so, like, there's been some good basketball out of the Iowa men, but, like, they just don't get to see – they don't seem to get the same support. I mean, yeah, I'm not they, exactly sure, like, what the problem is. The problem is <clears throat> this women's basketball team is very, very possible that they win a national championship this year. And let me, and let me, let me add to that. You have – Kate Martin, Caitlin Clark, Gabby Marshall, Molly Davis, and Hannah Stolke. Five players, and Sydney Falter. Your top six players who all not only have postseason experience, but they have national championship experience. Okay. So if they go into a first-round game with whoever, that's easy. Yeah, They've been I'm in not, that situation I'm not before. I'm saying losing the first round. I just so then when they be get surprised to seeing the elite eight in so, exit in the elite eight. So then when they get to the elite eight, yeah. they get to the final four. They get to the national championship. They've been there before. Okay. And that sour taste is in their mouths. Okay. So not did, only did do you, think you South Carolina doesn't have a sour taste in their mouth. They probably do too, but that's yeah. even more. But so. that was Aaliyah Boston, and she's gone now. They, they got replacements now. Yes, but Boston knows how to recruit. But people who don't have the same taste in their mouth, people who don't have the same postseason experience oh. that the number one player in the nation has, and when you have that same support that Kate Martin gives you, Sydney Falter can give you, Gabby Marshall and Hannah Stilke can give you, then you have not only the experience, you have the you have the chip on your shoulder from last year. You have the experience. You have the talent. Now it's a matter of does every person do their role? Okay, but it's not like those some of those players you mentioned. Um Cynthia Falter, um, Molly Davis, they didn't play a whole lot in the national championship. You can't say you would experience when you're just on there and you played a minute. Did they go on the court? Yeah, for a minute. I mean, they but played also, more than a minute. They played more than a minute. Also, it's just the those whole are your reserve guards. It's also just the whole atmosphere around the national championship game and like the pressure and attention that comes with it. Not just the You've game been there itself, before. but like just the whole tournament. I mean, they didn't go like come back to Iowa City like the whole entire tournament. So I think just like the traveling and everything, like they'll they'll be more used to that, um, even if they didn't play that. And this much. team plays in in a way a sold out away loud atmosphere every week. Yeah. Every single week. Okay. There are teams. There are top fifteen teams who would be lucky to fill out half of their arena. This team does it every single time. And so every every box is checked off. They get to the national championship, and the only thing they'll step out there and they will say, "Okay, this is a sold out crowd. They're a sold out crowd. I'm playing. This is who I'm playing." That's already been those boxes have been checked off. They're saying, "Okay, we're playing for the national championship game." And do they go out there and do it? If you have, if Caitlin Clark, if Caitlin Clark is scoring, if Caitlin Clark is scoring thirty or more points, and you have. At least two more people scoring above 15 points. No one is beating them. It's a single elimination tournament. Three words. No, it's it's super yeah, difficult yeah. to get there. It's not, I mean, I'm not saying it's, it's easy. But I I think they have a shot too, okay, for sure. I, I still think they have a shot, but not that was the not likely. I, okay, well, I say, well, you guys. It's not likely for anyone. What, what percentage are you giving them at? To win or to get there? Win. 
to win the whole thing, yeah. I'd say there's a 30 to 40% chance. Okay, so I had that 20. So, I think it'll be a disappointment, obviously, if they don't get to Final Four. That's a, that's a lost season. I would that's, expect that's, them that's to be back season. to the Final Four. Okay. I I am expecting them in the Final Four, and I am... I, I'm expecting them in the Final Four. I am, like, confident they go back to the National Championship. I'm... So uh, let me let me rephrase. The final four is the threshold. Everything above that, you've succeeded. Final four is the threshold. If you, I agree with you. If you do not go back to the final four, then I view this season as a disappointment, yeah. an under underwhelming season. Yeah. That's and there's pressure that comes with that. But I don't think they feed into the pressure. Okay. Now, do you show up or not? That's the question. Mm-hmm. The we'll thing see. that amazes me about Caitlin Clark is that literally every single game, like, she had, like, one off game against Kansas State. But I don't get how she... And still scored 25 Yeah, points. exactly. I don't get how she comes out and she does it every single time. Every it's single time. Consistency. It's, yeah. that's it's just, crazy. That's, it is crazy, but that's just the nature of the best of the best in basketball. So back to my men's basketball point. The women's <laughs> yeah. team is expected to be in contention for a national championship. We'll just say that. The men's team will be lucky if they make the tournament, and it's been like that almost every single year. They'll be lucky if they make it to the round of 32, people are happy. I feel like people showing up would help them win more. Let's frame it this way. It's been the same expectations for men's basketball. The past 10 years now, it's been, hey, get the tournament, maybe win a game. Same expectations this year. They just don't have that, you know, that star Exactly. I mean, guys, they know Tony Perkins, they know Peyton Sanford, but why they're do not you putting up thirty pieces, or they're not getting on ESPN? It's I don't think why? they're, like they're a very young team, up. and I don't expect. I don't even think they're going to make the tournament. If I'm being honest, why do you go watch a women's it's basketball game? Why are they fun to watch? Caitlin Clark. Caitlin Clark. Uh, who is the Caitlin Clark on the men's basketball team? They don't have one. Luca Garza was that good. Yes. Keegan Murray was that good. Yes. So the numbers were up back then. But Caitlin Clark is a generational talent, and you also got to factor in. I think it's also kind of the wouldn't call it political, but uh, contextual rather, uh, like the sense in which this is like the new wave of women's basketball. Caitlin Clark is spearheading that. We've seen guys like Luca Garza before. We've seen guys like Keegan Murray before. Yeah. People are going to turn out for the women's basketball games. The men's basketball, we've seen it before. And especially this year when you don't have a Luca Garza and Keegan Murray, it's just going to go even lower. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Am I wrong? No. You're exactly. Right. It's just sad to see the fans not in the stands because that, that you just lose one for advantage. Like I agree. That, Maryland game. I mean, that was got pretty loud, but for, for a women's I mean, game, like and the per, the Purdue game, game was, was the Purdue game. The Purdue game was full, but the energy in there is nothing like a women's game. Why would I want to go watch the men's basketball team right now? I, Other than the fact that I'm a student of the University of Iowa, why would I go want to go yeah, watch no, them? It's, yeah, it's just a there's no reason. But you can give me a million reasons why you would want to go watch the women's basketball team play. I didn't watch women's basketball I wasn't two either. years ago. No, I didn't either. At all. I no. didn't either. We, when we went out of town with my uh, cousins, they were like, I've only seen like two women's basketball games before, and they were both just Caitlin Clark. We, that, that's like something we've never seen before in women's sports, yeah. in the history, or the, in all of women's sports to this kind of level. You've seen it before in men's sports. So the men's team just has not catching up to do, but they've fall, almost fallen behind. It's it's a done deal. It's the past now. You don't have something to hold that up. I think if they were, honestly, this might be a hot take, but I think if they were like a top five team in the country, you still wouldn't see that many people at the games. Ooh. 
don't know about that. You're saying that's, that's I, way I too that. hot. Well, I mean, every single game. Top five. Every single game. Every single game. Okay, every top single five game. Kind of ensures you have good players. You don't have like no no name guys on a top five team. I agree. Like San Diego State. Or something. Did you ever? You never went to go see Luca Garza play, did you? No. no it was I not like a women's basketball game. It was not like a women's basketball game. Huh. It was not. But no, I mean, I went. I was a big Garza fan, so like I went and saw him, and like, but. I mean, still, I've watched, I've been to, like, one or two men's basketball games a year for the past, like, five years, and I try to go to as many women's basketball games as I can, and they're just, they're just more fun, and, like, people care more. Mm. It's louder. Are the wrestling things still, meets still sold out, as packed as they were, like, two years ago with Spencer Lee and whatnot? No, I mean, they they said that they've technically have sold it out. The Penn State will be definitely oh, packed. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. close. Ooh, I need to go to that. It's pretty close to like full, um, but no, I don't think there has been one that's been like actually sold out. The Iowa, Iowa State at Iowa State was like nuts though. That yeah. was sold out though. and I mean, yeah, but so why No, was it's it? definitely different, especially I mean, it's not just Spencer Lee. There's no Tony Cassiope, there's no Nelson Brands, yeah. all these guys. Like Abe, yeah, Abasad. I um, doubt star power. So that's, that's but I mean, day, Caitlin Clark, is. I think, is on another tier above Spencer Lee, though. Like mm, it's not. I'd agree. It's not close. Yeah, I don't think, I, honestly. I would agree. AJ yeah. Ferrari. Oh boy. Let's yeah. not talk about yeah. it. I <laughs> so will leave. <laughs> so it's not. It's not. Now it's it is time me. for our interview with uh, track and field athletes Austin West. All right, we are here with Austin West, who is a um, multi-event athlete on the Iowa track and field team. He's a two-time first-team All-American and does the heptathlon and decathlon. Um, Austin, how are you doing? Doing good. Excited to be here. Good. Um, Thanks for coming in. Um, First question, Uh, your senior year, quote-unquote, um, uh, you've registered, correct? Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, so your senior year, what are just kind of the emotions going into as the indoor season starts to really ramp up? Uh, yeah, you know, I've been here six years, so crazy that's actually coming to an end. Um, but um, emotion-wise, I'm just, you know, like very grateful kind of of the career I've had, uh, just the people I've met and everything, and, you know, seeing that come to fruition here um, is just a weird feeling I never really expected I'd have. You know, I thought I'd be in college forever, I guess. But yeah, it's been it's been a fun ride to uh, watch you know my teammates go around me and uh, see how you know my life has changed over the past six years. So yeah, I'm just really excited for the season and yeah, hopefully it's a good one. Do you set any like goals before the season starts? Uh, I'm not a huge goal person. I kind of uh, uh, I have like an idea of kind of what I want to achieve, but um, it's more of a range. But yeah, I have a, I have a few things in mind for uh, this upcoming season. Can you tell us what those are? Yeah. Um, so I've never been a first-team All-American indoors. Uh, just the way the events are kind of set up uh, just doesn't quite favor my strengths as much as outdoors. So I think getting one of those would be you know, a good thing to have before my career is over. Uh, and then outdoors, you know, I've been fifth and third at the Outdoor National Championships. And, uh, you know, taking a run at winning that. That was my big one, and then you know there's a there's an Olympic team to be made this summer, so give myself a shot at that. Hopefully, those were a lot bigger goals than I was expecting. 
I was expecting you to know, like have fun and go out. <laughs> I also and want to have fun. Have a good senior year and enjoy it with my teammates. But it was like, no, I'm trying to make the Olympics. Yeah. So, so what does that look like? The Olympic process. Yeah. So it's very similar. Uh, we have uh, world championships, uh, two out of four years, and then an Olympic team, uh, one of one out of four, and then an off year. So, uh, it's the same process I went through last year where. Uh, you have a world ranking or you have a standard to hit. There's kind of two avenues to make it. Uh, I ended up placing third at USA, so I was in the um, like qualifying window from a like country standpoint, but I didn't have the standard, and my world ranking wasn't high enough. Uh, so they took the three guys with the standard instead. So you know, this time around, you know, just trying to up that world ranking or, or hit the standard, and then just get top three at the trials, and, and I'll go. Uh, what is that standard? Uh, it's 8460. Okay. 8,460 points. Okay. So. In which event? Like the what? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a lot. Can you explain what that event is? I'm not familiar. Yeah, this is a question I get a lot, and I honestly don't have a great answer to what it is, even though I've done it for quite some time. Um, but I would say it's 10 events over two days, so 10 different track events. Day one are the speed and power events, so the 100-meter dash, the long jump, shot put, high jump, and 400. And then day two is a little more technical, so you got the 110 hurdles, the discus throw, pole vault, javelin, and then the 1500, which is like a little shorter than a mile. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> go ahead. Oh, um, some just like point scoring wise, you don't get any points for first, second, or third, or anything like that. Mm. They're just a bunch of tables that, you know, if you run this time in the hundred, you get this many points. You know, down to every hundredth. So, yeah, it's all about you versus the clock, you versus the tape measure. So uh, you get some good camaraderie that way because I'm not competing against a guy to my right for you know any bonus points for first place or anything like that uh, in like each individual event. What is your personal best for uh, points? Uh, I've gone 83.31. Okay. So not too far away, but you know, got to make another jump to that 84.60 mark. Is that like so the last 100 points? Is that like a slim margin? Like you just need to finish like a little bit better in one event, or is it like I need to improve everywhere? Um, getting it in one event would be a little tough. Um, like I guess the best way to say it is we get approximately like 30 points per bar in the like high jump in the pole vault, um, and that's like an inch and a half I think in high jump and 10 centimeters in vault. And we use the metric system for everything, so uh, yeah, I think it's 129 points. It's not like too big of a amount by any means, but it's like a you know, it's a good jump. It's not just like a, oh, I, I had one off event and you can make it up. It's like a little more than that, but definitely manageable. So is this like, if you got that 8460, right? Mm -hmm. If you got that like in two weekends at a event, like some competition, just a, co a collegiate competition, does that count as yep. your score yep. that would qualify you? Yeah, so okay. I can get it, you know, at any outdoor meet that we go to and I do the decathlon, so... Yeah, the goal is to get it before the trials and just go and compete, but if I don't have it there, you know, I can score it there and, and hit it as well. But it has to be an official thing, right? You can't just be like, Yeah, you can't just go out in the backyard. Yeah, it's like, hey guys, yeah, trust me. Okay. Yeah, yeah official official competitions only. So when you, do you like ever like practice with the throwers? Mm-hmm. So yeah. like, do they ever just like kick the shit out of you? And Yeah, only events? like every single day I throw with them. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I work with Coach Robinson. He's our, our throws coach, sure. and, and I throw alongside all of our throwers, and yeah, I mean, if I'm, you know, I'm like 200 pounds and they're much heavier than me, so if mm -hmm. I'm beating them, they're probably not that good. So luckily, I don't beat any of our throwers in their specialty events. Sure. Uh, mm -hmm. But I do get to learn a lot from them. Uh, they're mm -hmm. always like a really fun group to be around. So, yeah, you know, one or two days a week, I'm I'm out throwing. Right now, because of indoors, we're out at HDRC, so throwing shot put with all the guys and and the girls on the team. So, 
it's uh yeah it's a fun group to be around and they uh they know what they're doing a little better than i do so get to learn a lot from them and obviously coach robinson too is there anyone on the team like in any event who you think is like wildly underrated like you think could like wear uh what's what are the colors blue and red (laughs) in like the olympics or something like that um i mean yeah we have a lot of people um that i think have the potential to make world championship and olympic teams um you know, Kalen Walker's lighting it up right now in the 60. I don't even know if he's underrated. Um, he's just very good, and I think people know it, and rightfully so. Um, Austin Cressley's in that sprint group, too, and he has uh, Mexican affiliation, so no red, white, and blue, but maybe some green and red for him. Sure. Um, but, yeah, we have we have a bunch of different people that um, I think can make that jump to the next tier. Um, like Allie Book and Nosbish on the girls' side, I think she's the most underrated athlete at Iowa. I've told her that before. Uh, she's crushing it anywhere from the 600 to the mile on the girls' side. So I'm um, just excited to see, you know, we have a bunch of different people and a bunch of different events that are all really good. So, yeah, I'm probably missing people that I should really shout out. Uh, Paige McGee, she's really good. She's a 8-flat 60 hurdler, and she's more of a 100 hurdler outdoors. So, yeah, we have a bunch of athletes that I think um, can make big jumps and, and be really competitive nationally and internationally. So what's it like having to practice, like, outside and like I would go to the like uh, I don't know what you describe I guess the outdoor track I don't know if there's an official name for it but I'd go out there and it'd be like 60 mile. it'd feel like 60 mile an hour winds and it's like cold when you're in the wind and then it's hot when you're just standing there does it ever like mess with you when you're outside in Iowa as compared to like going to compete, compete in like Arkansas or like Georgia or something like that yeah I think um, Iowa doesn't have like the best or most conducive weather for mm-hmm. track and field performance year-round um, but you know, I grew up in Iowa City, so I, you know, I've been going to like high school track meets, um, and it'd be 30 degrees and you know 40 mile an hour winds, and you're just running. You know, it's there's no, uh, you don't get to choose kind of what the weather's like. So I think for some people that come from maybe California or Florida, it's a little more of a slap in the face. But yeah, it's uh, I guess when it's really windy and really cold, you just hope the wind's at your back. And you know, we have a really nice indoor facility as well, so we utilize that as much as we can. Um, and yeah, I mean, I kind of like the some of the adversity with the weather. I think it's a, an advantage, you know, being a kid from Iowa. If I'm competing against guys that, you know, aren't used to the cold or the wind or the rain or something like that, I think it's a little bit of a competitive advantage for me. But, yeah, it's just part of the fun, you know, part of the event. So, uh, You said you haven't beaten any of the throwers in practice. Have you beaten any of the sprinters? Um, I can usually get the sprinters in some of our longer stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if we're, we're running, like, longer hills and stuff like that. But uh, I'm not the quickest guy on the team by any means. So, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, pretty rare that I get some of our top guys. And, um, yeah, in workouts, I'll get them because mm-hmm. we have to, you know, run the four and run the 15. Yeah. But uh, in just a flat, you know, 60, um, you know, I might give, give some guys to run for their money. But a lot of them are, are you know, a couple notches better than me. Mm-hmm. Hey, you're the most versatile, though. So how did you end up doing the decathlon? Yeah, I... Uh, I was made aware of it, you know, middle of high school. We always had a pentathlon, so five events at the end of each track season, and I mostly kind of just did that for fun. Like, it was like, oh, it's cool, you know, I get to long jump. I didn't really do that much um, long jump early in high school. I got to high jump and run the hurdles, and it was, it was a fun event. You know, they, it, was, uh, it was team scored, so you could bring four or five guys, so roll up with four or five of my friends. After a long track season, they'd score it, and I had a lot of fun, and ended up you know, being pretty good at it, and um, I just wanted to focus on that in college because as a 400 hurdler, I didn't think I had much potential. You know, I kind of thought I was 
um, hitting the ceiling there. Um, and I thought the decathlon offered more potential for me and it's worked out really well. Um, so yeah, it was just a very interesting event to me. You know, I played three sports in high school and I didn't want to go from doing that to just running one lap over 10 hurdles. So, uh, yeah, it's kept me very entertained and, uh, it keeps me busy and, and I love it. So I think it's been a, a good match so far. So what was the recruitment to Iowa like? Um, yeah, the, the recruiting process was a little interesting being a Iowa City kid. So uh, I took official visits to other places, but I always knew I wanted to be here. Uh, and my dad's our head athletic trainer as well. So, um, you know, he, he would have been. That. Did you not. didn't know that, did you, man? No, I did not. Did you? Yes, I did. Okay. Don't feel bad. There, there, there are people on the team that don't know that, so you're off the hook. But, yeah, it was, uh, you know, I always knew I wanted to be a Hawkeye. Um, growing up, you know, I always thought, of course, I'd be like a star football player when I was a kid mm -hmm. or something like that. So never expected it to be track and field until much later in high school. But, yeah, just went on a visit, felt like home, you know, as expected because it quite literally is. And, yeah, just felt right and committed and think it's been a good decision. What were the three sports in high school? Uh, football, track, and baseball. Oh, that's going to complicate. Our, we have we have some questions well, some later. Questions on. That, that's for later I, I played, on. That's I for later. One year of basketball in ninth grade. Yeah. Okay. Went about as well as you'd expect one year of basketball to go. Okay. That's yeah. why I only played one year. But okay. Yeah. okay. Good. So maybe well, should be interesting. Yeah. Oh, the you mentioned the pole vault. What was what was that experience like? Just doing it. Have you ever done it before before college? Uh, I mean, I. Uh, like the summer before I got here, mm -hmm. I like messed around with it a little bit. Yeah. Um, but it's not a sanctioned event in Iowa, so no major experience. You know, I knew how to hold a pole, mm -hmm. and, and that was pretty much it. Uh, it's still my weakest event, I think, partially because Iowa doesn't have it in high school. Uh, it's definitely something I would have done if we did. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a, a fun experience. You know, it's my worst event, but it's also probably the most fun event to just you know run down the runway and fling yourself like 15 feet in the air pretty cool um so i have a lot of fun even though it doesn't you know like me back much so uh yeah it's, it's been really fun to learn all the new events you know like throwing spears around in the javelin and I never thought i'd be a discus thrower or you know run the high hurdles and all that fun stuff so yeah it's a, another one of the events where i think people look at it they might be a little scared of it and that's why they don't do the decathlon so you know better for us le less competition yeah. so yeah it's a it's a fun it's a fun one you were never scared of the pole vault uh, it has its moments. I, okay. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't want to say it's not scary. You know, I've had, you know, getting some ruts here and there. But mm -hmm. um, no, I mean, the once you understand the event a little bit more, it gets more and more safe. So you know, we have a good group and good coaching staff that you know know what they're doing. So it's pretty safe, as safe as it can be, I guess. Okay. Do you have any memorable like? I don't want to say like memorable fails on any of the events ever tripped over a hurdle. Um. <laughs> No hurdle falls, but speaking of the vault, I do have a like really uh, small scar on my back from the Mount Sac Relays a few years ago. I uh, I jumped and I was like, oh, I think I'm just gonna like. You get stood up when you don't make it like far enough into the mm -hmm. mat, and you're not getting enough penetration. And I just thought I was getting stood up, and I looked down and there wasn't any mat below me, and I went right into a standard. Um, so I have like probably just like a one inch scar from it, but I like it because it was a really good meet for me. It was kind of a meet where I was. Uh, it's like a big breakthrough meet my first mm -hmm. 8,000 point oh. decathlon. So uh, I like it. It's like a tattoo, and I don't have any tattoos. <laughs> so, you know, it's, uh, it's the one I have. But, yeah, that one sticks out. Other than that, I've been pretty lucky to not have anything too bad happen. Uh, of course, now that I say that, I'm sure something's just <laughs> yeah. waiting for me. But, yeah. 
yeah, uh, that's probably the biggest one that sticks out to me. The Mount Sac relays aren't quite the place to kind of screw up, right? Isn't that like the biggest meet in like the college season that everyone goes to? It's in California, right? Yep. Yeah, it's uh, Mount San Antonio College, I think, uh, a JUCO, but they really invested in a really nice track. Uh, they've been hosting, you know, the Mount Sac relays for years, and it's it's huge. So uh, I think that the Drake relays and the Penn relays are kind of the three big uh, track meets. As far as like spectator attendance goes, you know, there might be like there's some other meets that are really good too, but we're you know spectators like flock to those are the three big ones, and uh, that was just uh, uh, I guess like improved to a like silver level meet. So for back to that um, rankings points thing from the beginning, uh, you get more bonus points for your ranking um, by being there. So we get a bunch of top decathletes now. So uh, major props to Harrison Williams, one of our decathletes. Uh, he trains out in San Diego, so uh, I think it's really close to there. And you know, he uh, wanted to do that one and uh, lobbied for it to be a higher level meet to get rankings points and helps me out. So uh, he's done some good work um, with that. And yeah, you don't really want to go there and mess up. That's a that's a big one. Yeah. So is there? Um, what was I gonna say? What's like your? I guess or no? My I guess my first question is like. Has there ever gone, have you ever gone against like an Olympian or something or like someone who's like going to be an Olympian or was an Olympian where you're just like, wow, like there's a whole nother level to this game we play? Yeah. Um, so there's three decathletes that stick out in the college ranks that have broken the collegiate record at some point. Uh, so uh, one from Arkansas, Aiden Owens, uh, Delarme, he, uh, he broke the collegiate record and I was in that competition at Mount Sac. I got second to him. That's the, the same one where I kind of went right into a standard in the vault. So How close were you to him? Uh, he went like 85-something, and I went 81-79. So okay. he, he, was on a, he was on a tear, that meet. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was exciting. So uh, that one, and he's gone on to world championships, and obviously it's an Olympic year, so uh, he's well on his way to qualifying for that. And then two, um, so Kyle Garland then broke it, I think, later that year. At the USATF Championships, I was not in that competition, but I was watching it. Uh, really nice guy. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of his, and uh, we're good friends, so that was fun to see. And then Leo, I'm going to butcher his last name, but I think it's Nujabauer or Neugebauer or something. Uh, he visited here. I hosted his official visit, but he's at Texas now. He went 88-38, something like that, at, at Nationals, and I was in that competition as well. So uh, since I've been in college, three collegiate records in my event, and I've been in two of them. Uh, and I watched the third. So, uh, yeah, there's there's three that have you know gone to world championships, and you know I hope to put myself kind of in that tier this year. Hmm. Wait, so is the max points like nine thousand? Um, the there isn't technically like a max. Right. The the world record's ninety one twenty six, and that'll probably get taken down in the next five years. I'm sure hmm. it'll be like probably ninety three hundred ish in the next five or six years, if I had to guess. Um, so I think we're in a really good era of the, of the decathlon both collegiately and internationally which is really exciting um but yeah 91 26 for now is uh is the world record and yeah there's technically no max but um yeah you know 10,000 is like a loose maximum but that's a pretty impossible score but why do you say that someone's gonna break it so soon uh just like the the young talent and um that's really coming up and i think a lot of that's due to the like veterans of the sport right now so we have a lot of a lot of the older guys that are hanging around, still scoring really high. That I think um, have brought in a new generation of athlete. You know, they're they're bigger, stronger, faster, and um, so seeing them 
you know, kind of compete like that. Like the world record holder is still active. Uh, the Olympic record holder is still active. And then you have a bunch of young guys that were born right around 2000, like I was, where, you know, they're scoring really high for their age. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think it's bound to just get, you know, broken by hundreds of points at some point. And going back before you even were in college, even high school, what got you into track? Yeah, I uh, I just started track as a sophomore, but I did some like like we have run for the schools, mm -hmm. um, and as an elementary schooler at Weber Elementary, you know, go Dolphins. But uh, did that, and I liked it, and I would do like the the Hershey track and field meets mm -hmm. every now and then. So my dad would just take me to those, and you know, I'd run. So uh, I did I did well in that. I always knew I was like a pretty fast kid, you know, like whether that be basketball conditioning, I would mm -hmm. win a lot of that stuff, or just like races. I'd, you know, and I was a pretty fast kid. Um, so track was always in the back of my mind and sophomore year of high school rolled around and um, yeah, I, I went kind of all in on it and uh, yeah, it paid off. I, I think I just like the aspect where um, you can't hide and you know, the stopwatch is the, is the stopwatch. You know, there's no, no excuses where it's, oh, hey, I got double teamed. I, you know, mm -hmm. oh, I had an off night shooting, nothing like that. Uh, you know, you step on the line and, and there's no faking it. And I, I just kind of like that. You know, it's a very simple event. It's a, the same same height hurdles, same distance apart, the same weight shot put, um, same 100 meters or whatever every time. So, yeah, I really like that aspect. Who do you think is the greatest athlete of all time? Uh, Jackie Joyner Kersey. Really? She's the uh, heptathlon world record holder. Huh. Uh, I think she's the best athlete of all time. Really? But a more conventional answer probably LeBron James. I don't think LeBron James can pull a vault, though. I highly doubt. Yeah, and I don't do think it. I can score he's like not even the best. points. He's not even the best player in his own sport, so I don't know how he can be the best athlete of all time. It's debatable. I've never seen MJ play because, you know, he retired when I was, like, one years old. So I'm a LeBron guy, but, you know, MJ's a great answer, too. Um, it all depends on how you want to define an athlete, I guess. True. Yeah. True. I think MJ could pole vault though. If, if you if <laughs> you said could. he wouldn't yeah. need the pole to do the pole. Oh, oh yeah, he yeah. would just good point, jump. Good point. He would yeah. just jump yeah. over it. No, yeah, LeBron I think, would uh, need the pole. Yeah, yeah. We, we always have arguments. Um, you know, like oh, what other athlete would be like a really good decathlete or something? I think it'd be fun to have some of those NBA guys hop in. You know, they're you know like even like the point guards that are like really fast, like Prime Russell Westbrook running down the track. <laughs> he would be a, he would be an animal. Yeah. So yeah, we've had a bunch of these hypotheticals uh, like over the time I've had at Iowa and. I think getting LeBron James and Prime Michael Jordan in a decathlon would be pretty fun. And I, I'd set up to watch that. Hit me with another hypothetical. Oh, I mean, uh, a lot of it's just like if you could pick like three athletes to make like one like decathlete, or like if you could pick, you know, three athletes to do the ten events, and then you have to like we, we'll be like warming up, we'll just like draft people like that. And All right, go um, ahead. Give me, <laughs> give me your three. Uh. Well, it it's tough, you know. Are we picking track athletes? We're picking full athletes. You know, we have full. NFL and, players. Oh, NFL uh, players. Okay, okay. So, the decathlon can be broken down into three things, right? Running, jumping, throwing. Mm -hmm. So you probably want to pick something like that. Okay. Uh, so obviously, like the sprinting answer should probably be Tyreek. Yes. But yeah. we have to run the four and the fifteen. I don't think Tyreek wants to run a mile, right? No. So, sure. you know, I might have to do some interviewing so you can hurdle. You know, I'm sure there's a former like hurdler in there. You know, somebody that can run a little bit. Um, Throws-wise, I'm probably taking Trent Williams. I mean, he's a, he's an animal. Actually, I take that back. I'm going to take Iowa Hawkeye Tristan Wirfs yeah, because yeah. he's a really good shot putter, really good discus thrower. Um, and then jumper-wise, um, I have no idea. I, I DK Metcalf. 
DK's a good one because he's yeah he's, he's crazy he's tall. He, he yeah. ran he ran a hundred at, at a meet. Um, ran like ten three, at yeah. like six four, like yeah. two twenty five, two thirty. Yeah, he's he's a, he's a monster. Have you seen the video of Tyree Kill where he like ran in some like qualifying thing or something <laughs> yeah. just dusted everyone? Have you seen that? It was pretty recent, yeah, I think. He, uh, yeah, yeah, some like with like sunglasses on. And he, I don't think he warmed up either. <laughs> yeah, or something like that. Just hopped in the box. Yeah, he he ran well. Uh, he was he was a good athlete. Um, you know, I think he was like very accomplished in high school and, and ran track. I'm pretty sure he's an all American at Oklahoma State. Um, but yeah, I, I saw that and he was against like like middle aged people. Like I yeah, didn't know like something like, like this that. was the meet that he signed up. Like DK went to uh, like the track where Mount Sac where the relays are hosted. Hmm. He ran against like pros. And oh, and he like, beat him. Well, he got like second to last. But okay, but he's it was, it was, that's last still that's very last. impressive. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Second to last against yeah, and, and pros is still very impressive. Yeah, and Tyreek should have been in that race. You know, everyone's yeah. always saying, you know, like, oh, his look at his top speed via like next gen stats. You know, compared mm-hmm. to like yeah. whoever. And um, yeah, I'd, I'd really like to see him. You know, take an off season and, and run some track. But yeah, there are a lot of good athletes in the NFL. Um, so glad they're not doing the decathlon. I guess. Hmm. Your dad's the head, the head athletic, the head athletic trainer, right? Yep. Yeah. So, see, you knew for get hurt, you're he's the guy to call. Uh, he is. Yeah, yeah. We have a we have a good relationship. <laughs> um, he uh, he does a lot for the program outside of just taking care of people. So always, you know, uh, like driving our poles to to meets. You know, they're a little tough to fly with. You know, a pole bag that weighs like thirty pounds and is like yeah. you know twenty feet long or so. So. He's always doing that for us, which is really nice. And I always say there's no athletic trainer more invested in a decathlete success than he is in mine. So good to have him in my corner, and uh, he's really good at what he does. He was just uh, named to the MAATA Hall of Fame, so the, oh, really? the American nice. Athletic Trainers Association Hall of Fame. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. Doug is that's yeah, his name, Doug right? West. Yeah. 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 He's a legend. There you go. Told you. So, Congrats. Congratulations, uh, Doug. Yeah. He, he's good at what he does, so glad that, uh, you know, we, we have him um, for our team. So it's easier to drive these poles than it is to fly with them. Yeah, well, my dad loves to drive. I don't think it's necessarily easier, but when someone's willing to do it, okay. we're not gonna we're not gonna say no. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's like you will not get crazier looks in your life than walking into an airport with a pull bag. True. And like it's always like two decathletes carrying it. Not ideal and in an airport. No, to and you gotta you gotta sort of walk it to like, like the <laughs> like the special baggage whatever and, and get all the proper tags and everything. Yeah. And yeah. half the time you have a problem. They're like, oh, we didn't think it'd be this long or whatever. Or they're asking us if they can like they're asking us if they can like saw them in half. It's like that's not really like <laughs> no, like, like they kind of need to be in one piece for us. So I mean, a lot of decathletes have you know like crazy pull vault stories, and luckily I've never had any get lost or anything, but that happens too. So. Yeah, very some very weird looks over the years. So he straps them on top of the car mm-hmm. and just drives them. Yep, that'll probably get some yeah, weird looks too. I oh would yeah, presume. he's an animal though. Yeah, okay. tanks his gas mileage, I'm sure. What yeah. kind of cars do you drive? Uh, probably like a university truck. It, it changes. It's not just like one standard <laughs> thing, but get a get a truck with some like scaffolding on the back and strap it in. And oh, he's just he's driving. Okay. He listens to the same audiobook like every single time. Um, huh. Yeah, he's yeah he's just. Going. He's a different breed. He's uh-huh. got a different. He's got a second motor. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. But so you have your own poles. You don't want to use if you go to an away meet. You don't want to use their poles. Just got like. Yeah. Um, so um, you you just bring your own. Uh, okay. I'm sure they're they're pretty close, but yeah, you just want to bring uh, your own, I guess. And you can jump on borrowed poles. I did that at a meet um, this summer in Germany because um, obviously getting them across the Atlantic would be a little tough. Oh yeah. Can't drive those across the Atlantic. No, cannot. <laughs> 
Uh, I'm sure my dad would try. Does he have a, <laughs> does he have a boating license? <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll get work on that. that that's there you a, go. That's in the summer. That'll help uh, him out. Thing. He'll yeah. need a few audio books uh, yeah. <laughs> for that drive. <laughs> yeah, a whole series. Um, well, Austin truly is an all-around athlete, no matter the sport. Uh, thank you for coming on the podcast. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Conference games, Matt. Hit Next, us. conference championship games. Obviously, there's no Iowa football to no, it might not place be. your score predictions on. So we're going to go to the world of the NFL, where uh, Hawkeyes, um, George Kittle, Sam Laporta, Jack Campbell. Um, I'm missing. Uh, Geno Stone. Yeah, Geno Stone. Um, Tyler Linderbaum. Oh, oh, yeah, Tyler, gosh, Tyler Linderbaum. And I forget he's on the Ravens. He's their starting center. Yeah. Where plenty All of pro. Hawkeyes have a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Those teams, Ravens, Chiefs, and uh, Lions. Why don't I bite NFC? Lions, Niners. Score <laughs> predictions. Uh, which game am I starting with? Uh, either one. Ravens, Chiefs. It's tight. Let me go Ravens. 30, 38 to 35. Okay. I'm going Ravens 27 to 20. No Taylor Swift Super Bowl. God, Because no. it's going to be Ravens. Ravens 28, Chiefs 23. I've seen enough the Chiefs. No more Chiefs. Seen enough no more Patrick Swift. Mahomes. No more Travis Kelsey. It's new era. Lamar, it's your time. They need to break up. Whoa. I, All right, let's not. Yeah, let's not. I, it's not. It's good for America. It's good for America. No, it's Keep not. Two, <laughs> I honestly love the Purdy-Kittle duo, but I want the Lions like to win. Her. I want the Lions to win. Okay. Got you it. think the Lions are going to win or you want them to win? I want them to win. Okay. I'm going to go 49ers. 49ers. 31. Lions. 14, 17. I don't think it would be that close. Okay. And I don't want a Brock Purdy Super Bowl. Don't need the Iowa State fans going off about that. So I'm going to say Lions. You're crazy. Well, do you want to see him in the you yes. don't want to see him with a ring. You don't. You don't want to know what Iowa State fans are going to do. I don't, you don't care. Want to know. No, I, I hate I don't, it. Don't want to know. State. I don't, don't care. Know. I don't care. The Lions don't stand a chance against the best running back in the nation, one of the best tight ends, and a very good receiver core. Not to mention the defense. Hey, Debo Samuel might, might not even play. If he doesn't play in the conference championship, I think he's a fool. This is the biggest game of his career. Why would he not play? If he, can't he could play. have a he could have a broken leg. He's still going to play. Full T.O. We'll put money okay. on it. Let's put money no, on it. Nope. I no, guarantee you, he'll play. I'm going to. Lions. Here's his body. Lions 25, Niners 20. Good Super Bowl. Lions 35. No, it's a 25. 25. 25 20. 20. I was going to say two good, possessions. Good, nice, high score in Big Ten West uh, game. Super Bowl, Ravens. Ravens, 49ers. I've got the Niners. What? Another blackout? For the 49ers, <laughs> Lions game. It's 49ers. It can't be. No, 49. It'd be Lions, Ravens. For the no, no, no. I, I, I didn't ever pick oh. who was going to win oh. the 49ers game. I thought you said you wanted the Lions to win. I did, but I didn't give a score. Oh, okay. okay. 49ers, 30. Lions, 17. Valid. Okay. Very valid. And I think the Ravens are going to win the Super Bowl. Mm. Super Bowl picks later. Super Put it on for Baltimore, later. baby. Yeah. The wire to wire victory. Come on, Kyle. Come on. 
The Wire takes place in Baltimore. What'd you say? The Wire does. Where does The Wire take place? Baltimore. Yeah. Baltimore, Maryland. Wire to Wire victory. <laughs> Get this guy out of here. <laughs> This episode of Pressbox Banter is hosted by Kenna Roaring, Colin Botsmeyer, and Matt McGowan, and produced by Jamie Martin-Trade. This episode was recorded on January 25th.